Hey Josh, I have a question for you. Shoot. Why is it that when I'm in Texas, I just want to wear a cowboy hat? Uh, I hear you, man. Right? Don't, you. don't you just want to belong sometimes? That's like right. It means that we belong. That's right. I want to rip off my mask and put on a cowboy hat. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like when you go to California, you want to wear sunglasses just to look like the cool kids look. You do. Your board shorts, your sunglasses, absolutely. So the question is, do the cowboy hats make me belong or, did do, or do they just show that I already belong? Now, what do you wear in Appleton, though? Sorry to Ooh, pause on that. We're um, in Appleton, Wisconsin. And <laughs> jealous? <laughs> 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 and, and when you're here, I mean, you got to wear the... Anger at the winter is probably what I would say. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> like pointless, nihilistic anger at the winter. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's cold. <laughs> Always winter, never Christmas. So. Indeed. Mm. Anyway. Yes. So the, the, what we're talking about today has everything to do with boundary markers. Mm. Welcome to Nerds in the Word. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Before certain men came from James, he was eating with Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth, and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Here's a second question, Josh. What passage was that? That is Galatians 2, 11 through 16. You don't just know that offhand? Come on, man. I'm for our listeners at home. <laughs> So here, here's the question we got. We got Dan did that from memory, by the way. He just did that. He just was sitting here and he's like, "Yeah, what should I pick out of my head?" So who is Cephas? Just, just toss me a bone here. I don't know. I just not, I'm not Cephas. as educated as you are, Josh. Help me. Uh, his street name is the Cephas. Um, <laughs> and and uh, if if I remember right, that is Simon Peter. That's Simon Peter. That's yeah. correct. And so he and the Apostle Paul are having a little bit of a chinwag. A headbutting contest is what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. So what in tarnation is going on? Yes, exactly. What is the background of this? How do we understand uh, Paul's anger at Peter and Peter's fear of the people who come from James or Jacob? Anyway. Uh, Why does he call him Cephas? His name is Peter. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I never noticed that before. Hmm. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, yeah. You remember Peter? I'm going to call him Cephas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like there's a funny anyway. Um, so this passage has everything to do with symbolic act. So just like I want to wear a hat in Texas, and just like I want to wear uh, some sunglasses in California, and just like I want to wear this dull, placid anger in Wisconsin at wintertime, so too Peter wanted to eat 
with the right people at the right time because eating was an incredibly important thing in the ancient world. It answered two basic types of questions. Like, what is good behavior and who are good people? And so the meal had everything to do with basically who do you, who do you approve of and what types of behaviors, mm -hmm. behaviors do you think are appropriate for whoever is in that in group? Mm -hmm. And so by eating with Gentiles in the first few verses, Peter is essentially saying, these are my people. Like these, 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 are, these are the people I love. I'm a part of them. They're a part of me. It's great. It's everything we think that the church should be a part of. But then these people come from James, or as we would say, Jacob, essentially. It's Jesus' brother. Right. So Jacob comes from a really powerful Jewish church in Jerusalem, and he shows up with all of his boys, and they're still abiding by this, this mentality that if you're going to be a, a good, true follower of the law, well, then you need to eat with the right people and you need to eat the right types of food because who you eat with and meals have everything to do with who is who is approved by God and what is the type of behavior that shows that you're approved by God. Right, who's in the inner circle. Cor yeah. cor correct. And so uh, classic weenie move by Peter. <laughs> he gets scared again. And so it's, 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 like, it's like Peter out of the Gospels, not Peter out of Act 2. And so Peter suddenly, tail between his legs, Runs to the right side, runs to the right side of the table, and because he's a leader in the church, in fact, the leader in the church, everyone else follows his example. And so Paul looks at this and he sees a, a body of people or a community of people that want to split over ethnic lines. You have Gentiles or the nations on one side, and you have Jews on the other side, and they're equal, but they're not really equal. They're equal, kind of lip service equal. Correct. Like, ah, we're all brothers anyway. You sit over there. But you there. sit over there, and we're going to sit in here. I mean, it's like, I mean, so you, you've been in some power churches before where, like, you know who's the in people and you know who's the out people oh, yeah. the moment you walk into the church. For sure. And so it's like, oh, I belong here very clearly, but I don't belong mm -hmm. in that corner of the church because that's where all the powerful people in suits are. Mm -hmm. That's where all the really cool, hip looking people are. That's where all the. It depends on which side of the world you're in. Correct. Right? So yes. growing up in the East Coast in the D.C. area, yeah. the, the in crowd was the rugby shirts, khaki pants crowd. Really? That I felt acutely not a part of. Really? Because I was like staying on my shirt, sure. like, you know, weird, smelly guy. Um, and, then, and then when I went to uh, seminary on the West Coast, uh, definitely the social justice crowd was the Man, that's crowd. the... Holy yeah. crowd. Oh, man. You would just... Yeah, you, these guys were the coolest, and it was a lot of, like, topping each other. Like, you know, the other day I was out, and, uh, you know, like, I pulled a needle out of a guy's arm, you know, like, and walked into the shelter, you know. Yeah, and that's and where I'm usually yeah. like, I bought a new cardigan today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not part exactly. of that crowd. <laughs> no, no, I, I never did fit in with them very well. I'm sorry, my jacket's not organic. Yeah, or my table. my bike is fixed gear. Like I just, I'm just not that. It's not. That's not my. If you do that thing, that's cool though. Jesus loves you. It's just not. It's not the requirement to be a part of the community. And I think this is this is the interesting part about the early church is that we we sometimes I think have this false idea that 
Like, man, the early church is the best church to be part of. It's the most pure church. Well, just look at it. Like, mm-hmm. obviously not. Like, read Corinthians, read Ephesians, read Acts, read Galatians, and the church is messed up all over the place. And that's okay. It doesn't intimidate any of the church leaders because mm-hmm. that's just what the church is. It's a, it's a place full of people trying to figure out their theology together in a way that looks extremely healthy and honors their Savior. And so in the early church, there was this act. So Jesus didn't just come down and hand them the Bible? No. And say, here's what all these <laughs> no. things mean? And so they, 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 think yeah. about this. Weird. They have to figure out what the correct type of boundary markers look for the early church. And there was an active debate in Acts. You see this in Acts 15. There's an active debate. You also see this in Galatians 2. People, scholars debate if these are two, like if these are the same instance. Like if if Acts 15 and Galatians 2 overlap with each other. But there was an active debate about how one gets into the church. And because Christianity was a Jewish movement first, primarily out of Jerusalem and then out out of Antioch, like there was this tacit assumption that because the church started among Torah observant Jews, that to become a part of the church then means to adopt not all of the law, but the boundary markers that show that you are a part of the law, which is eating kosher food, keeping Sabbath, and getting circumcised. If you're doing those things, then you are showing to the world that you are a part of God's covenant family. And again, this, this seems odd to us, but we do this all the time. So if you want to be in Wisconsin, you need to look one way. If you want to be in California, you need to look another way. I, I remember I was in... Uh, Paris. And so when I was 21, I traveled to Paris and I just was there for a little bit because why not? You're 21. You just want to travel a little (laughs) bit. And I learned very quickly, you have to kind of look angry wherever you go. And I, and the more angry I looked, the more people asked me for directions because they thought I was actually from Paris. (laughs) You know what? I am hating. I'm hating all of this. I'm hating Eiffel Tower. I'm hating Louvre. I know that. <laughs> like Parisians are very kind people, obviously. I'm not I'm not trying to like throw throw shade at anyone, but it's just more like there are there are like this is this is a, a real experience that we still have today. It's not like this weird, bizarre thing that first century people did. Twenty-first century people do this. Oh, we but judge... they, were pr- they were primitive and we're evolved. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> right. C.S. Lewis would call that uh, chronological snobbery. Chronological yeah, yeah. snobbery, yeah. And and yeah. so like in, in the first century it was all ab- it was all about if you want to become a part of this very early church that started as a Jewish movement, then maybe you need to think about adopting Jewish practices or or behaviors that show that you're a part of the in-group. And Paul just puts an end to all of that. You can't define who is in and who is out of the church based on certain ethnic boundary markers. And I think it's just really beautiful, Paul's critique. Because when, when Paul critiques Peter, I think I think he's drawing off like two really important truths about the church or how one becomes a part of the church. And the, the first I think is just pragmatic. Like mm-hmm. if you if you say, okay, Gentile, mm-hmm. you want to become a part of the church, here are three things that you have to do. And circumcision is one of them. Like how likely are you to become a part of that community? It's like not very likely. And Josh is laughing. You can't see him laughing. Because <laughs> I think this is the fourth time I've said circumcision. That's five right there. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking as far as evangelistic tools. Yes. Um, it's not <laughs> It's not like, like uh, now we have a good kids program, and we have youth group on Friday nights. We have small groups here. We have a great... And here's the tattoo also, that you have to get. 
You have to get a tattoo on your ankle because that's the, <laughs> what the cool Christians do. Absolutely. Yes. No anesthetic. Anyway. Yes. Where's your foot? <laughs> here's here's a belt you can bite down on. We're just going to – we got Steve over here. He was trained yesterday. He's great at it. <laughs> he so, just got saved. He's nearsighted. Anyway, come on over, Steve. Over here. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh um so not only pragmatically would it not work i think okay so here, here's in my mind here's uh the, like the real takeaway like theologically it doesn't work because it misidentifies what jesus has actually done for us and this is where i really get angry sometimes at the separations that the bible makes between segments mm. and so like if, you, if you're reading through this i don't i don't know what the, the what what the segment headings are what it's like Paul opposes Peter verses 11 through 14. And then it's like justification by faith verses 14 through 16. And you mm. you read the Bible and you think, oh yeah, these are two different things. It's like, no, no, no. This is part of the same exact argument. On my devotional Bible, those are on different days. So yeah. I read one on Tuesday and one on Thursday. And so did the rest of my town. <laughs> <laughs> and so so it's, it's, it's frustrating to me when we begin to divide uh, the... The confrontation about boundary markers between mm. Peter and Paul, and Paul's statement about justification by faith. No, they're the exact same. They're the exact same argument. Like, what has Jesus done for us? And so, like, justification by faith is essentially this theology <laughs> that says, like, uh, Jesus became what we were so that we could become what He is. And when we come to the cross and accept the forgiveness that He He gives to us, we have to lay everything down. Not just our faults, but also all of our best accomplishments. Anything that we would find pride in ourselves for, we have to lay it down. And the beauty of justification by faith says that when you, when you lay down all of your best accomplishments, all the things that give you pride or all the things that would make you look down on someone else, suddenly you're able to embrace those who look dramatically different from you. And so what Paul is doing here is he's developing this beautiful theology of how the church becomes unified. And it's not based on any sort of external behavior. It's based on this, this question of what has Jesus done for you? Like in, in, if, if, if Jesus, in all of his privilege, can lay all of it down to save you, well then that means something dramatically different. That means that you're, like when you identify with the Messiah, that means... There's something dramatically different about you now where you have to now model that. You now lay down all of those things that give you cultural or ethnic pride, professional, personal pride. Mm. And you now embrace people who are totally different from you because they've done the same thing. You are now one in the Messiah. And so I find it is no surprise that in Galatians 3, Paul says there's now no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. This is exactly how the church becomes one. And so, for instance, like just, just look at Paul's critique of Peter. Like he he doesn't say Peter, like you're not you're not liking Gentiles good he enough. Says Cephas. Cephas, you're right. <laughs> Cephas, you're not liking Gentiles good enough. No, he says Cephas, you're not walking in step with the truth of what Jesus has done. You're not walking in step with the truth of the gospel. Like what what Cephas is getting wrong, what Peter is getting wrong, is not like hey, be nice to each other. It's you are misunderstanding what Jesus has done for you and the implications of that as we think about the unified body of Christ. And I think that has fruitful room for all of us to think about as we walk into the church as individuals how often do we walk into the church and we think to ourselves well at least i'm not like that guy or at least i'm not like that guy or at least i'm, I'm not like her or at least i'm not dressed like that all of us do that 
And Paul would call all of us out for it. Because what we're doing is unnecessarily dividing the body of Christ based on what we think is cool and what we think is uncool. When in fact, what makes us a part of the church is the, the shed blood of Jesus for us. So would Paul yell at you at dinner? Oh, that's the question, right? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> I think Paul would yell at me, but for entirely different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. 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 Uh, and same here. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.